Hello, you're listening to the Bonded Books Podcast, where we discuss books, fight over book boyfriends, and the lack of filter is a family trait. If you're lucky, you might even hear one of our dogs barking in the background. Because hey, if we have to deal with them, then so do you. We hope to dazzle you with our discussion while not being hurtful to the authors we feature. Success not guaranteed. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, sunshine. Hi. What's new? I'm uh, absolutely nothing. I have not done anything lately but sit on my ass and actually watch so much TV and rest over the weekend that I was actually getting really bored. Welcome like, to my I life. I didn't even want to read. I didn't want to do anything. I left the sofa and I did some crafting and like 10 minutes into it, I'm like, I don't want to do this either. I actually took a couple naps, short ones, but still. Good. Anything on TV? I watched a bunch of diners, drive-ins, and dives. And then I watched, what's it called? Lioness on Paramount+. And then last night, I couldn't fall asleep, probably because I had been laying on my fucking ass all day. Yeah, right. So I started watching Star Trek. You should watch Sex Education. It's hilarious. I freaking love it with Jillian Anderson. Yeah, I can't watch that when the kids are around. Why? Oh, because too much sex. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's hilarious. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I started watching that when it first came out. That's on Netflix, right? Yeah, I'm really bummed because I just... I'm like on episode three of the last season. There's only three seasons. Typical Netflix. But it's so good. I'd rather watch something that's three seasons and good than, you know, 20 seasons and shitty. It's hard for me to watch scripted shows. I really lose interest very quickly. Why? Oh, you mean because you're into reality TV? Yeah, I don't know why. Scripted TV shows, it doesn't matter what it's about or what show it is. It's really hard for me to stick with them. Then, you know, there's a new season of The Ultimatum. I did binge watch that, actually. I watched all of that. I did, too. Okay, so today's book is The Midwinter Mail Order Bride, book one in the Deadlands series by Katie Wilde. My first note is about the map because in the corner of the map, it says physical features and distances are exaggerated for clarity and fun. So my note about the map is, are we still talking about the map? (laughs) Yeah, I knew you would like that as soon as I saw the map. I'm like, oh, she's going to love this. It's funny, though, because I saw the map. I read the little thing in the corner and then I never looked at the map again. But actually, I realized when I was doing my notes that at the beginning of each chapter, it says which part of the map they're in. So I guess I could have referred back to it several times if I really wanted to. Did you write anything about the prologue? No, I don't think so. I just did chapter one. I'm going to talk about the prologue. It it opens with somebody named Princess And of Iver. She is offering herself up as a bride 
to L, the Conqueror. It wasn't her being courageous. It was to get away from her magic-wielding Emily's enchanted palace. She's trying to secure a kingdom of her own. And it says, even if she has to kill the Conqueror to do it, she didn't expect him to run send her back to Ivemore. She arrives, she thinks for sure he's going to want her and he's just going to tolerate his kisses because get away from her family and find a kingdom of her own. Yeah, I think that I skipped that because I started reading it and it sounded kind of like the blurb, which I didn't want to read before I read the story. I don't read the blurb. (laughs) So I don't realize if they're the same. Chapter one is actually in the male main character's point of view. I struggled with his name in the book the whole time. Is it KL? Is it Kyle? Is it Kale? I don't know. It's K A E L. Sometimes I actually thought of it as Kyle, and sometimes I thought of it as Kale, like the disgusting lettuce. For, for no reason. That's just what, what my brain it? was Kale, doing in this book. Kale is K-A-L-E, isn't it? Yes. I'm not saying it makes any sense, but my brain oh, was well, just right. doing that. So he rules the four kingdoms, but he doesn't really have any experience in that department. He's a warlord, not a king. Well, now he's a king because he got the title by accident, basically. And his advisors end up telling him that they sent word to all of the kingdoms that he was in need of a bride and only one woman responded. And to add insult to injury, the only woman to respond was in the second set of... It's like when you send out the second batch of invitations to a wedding and they're like pity invites. Oh, God. Her, I didn't even know people did that. Oh, yeah. You like send a batch of invites. You get some RSVPs. Then you're like, oh, I have some extra seats or something. Let me do a second batch of invites to oh, put some butts in the sand. Mm, okay. Yeah, right. So that's basically what happened with her letter that she received because they say nobody responded. And so we sent a second batch of letters out to other further places. And she's the only person that responded out of these two waves of letters. Has such a horrible reputation. They call him the butcherer. And he ended up breaking free and killing Godfrey, the child eater, as he was known. Free apparently was a horrible ruler and he slaughtered Godfrey and for imprisoning him and what he did. But he killed all people that apparently deserved to be killed, but he still had this horrible reputation. So no woman to respond to his letters. Everybody thought he was terrible and just loved blood. I highlighted... The part where he finds out that he actually has a bride, a mail order bride. He's talking Mm -hmm. to his advisor and the advisor says, your bride, she arrived only an hour past. And he says, my bride did? And the response is, yes, my king. And so he asks, how long have I had a bride, Minim? And this guy says, for an hour, sir. (laughs) It's like, okay, well, that's that's one way to tell him, I guess. He thinks that these people... Minam is one of the people on his council and he's afraid that Minam was actually going to kill him. So he says, so you're not here to kill me, but to chain some unfortunate to my side. And then he tells him, you know, her name. Her name is Princess Anja. And he thinks that she's a spellcaster because she's from this kingdom Ivermere. And I guess they have a lot of spellcasters there. That's what that kingdom is known for. I think the whole kingdom has magic. 
everyone in that kingdom. Yeah, in the kingdom of Ivermere, where she's from. Yes, and her he knows her parents, King Palin and Queen Dina. They're very powerful spellcasters. Of course, she must cast her and a powerful sorceress. Mm -hmm. They're meeting in the morning, and he thinks that she's got to be drunk because of how she's acting. He, this is all from Kael's point of view. He thinks... Had she just risen from bed, though the sun was high overhead? And was she drunk? Already Kael liked his bride very much. His gaze never <laughs> leaving the princess, he told Minum, if any other brides answer the summons, send them away. I will take this one. He likes her instantly, but she does end up saying in her supposedly drunken date that she will murder him after they are married. And then she also talks about some giant spider that she saw in her mother's chambers and that she needs to return home to kill it. Then he realizes that she isn't actually drunk, but that she was given something called a kissing potion, yeah. which sounds like kind of like the Sleeping Beauty's curse. I guess if people take this potion, it puts them in a comatose state. And so they have to get all their nutrients and everything by kissing other people or being kissed while they're unconscious. It's very weird and freaky yeah they can't eat or drink anything and it can last for days or depending on how much they were given the minister from her kingdom came with her and he said sometimes when women woke they were with child and they had no memory of conceiving so it's like a date rape drug almost and the minister tells him the queen gave it to her almost immediately upon telling her you're going to marry this guy and then he's just livid he thinks that queen dina deserves whatever the spider in her room is and he's furious thinking and yells out was the princess touched while sleeping the minister tells him she is still a virgin he doesn't care if she is he's cradling her now in his arms mm -hmm. he wants to know if she was touched was she touched without knowing good for him i like him already and he says, no, your majesty, uh, only female helped her and tended to her. And he tells him, get the hell out of my kingdom or I'm going to kill you, is basically what he says. I really liked him, too. He was instantly protective of her um, mm -hmm. on the defensive and like, outraged on her behalf. So he, even though he's a warlord, he's a pretty good guy deep down under all that bloodshed. Okay, so he really likes her. He's like instantly drawn to her. But in her sort of kissing potion slash drunken stupor, she makes this comment to him about having to tolerate his touch in order to marry him and, you know, basically put up with him. And he takes a lot of offense to that. He doesn't like that. Yeah, he doesn't like that she would have to tolerate him because he doesn't want a woman, any woman, to feel that way about him. So he basically says that she doesn't have to worry about that because he will not have her and that she must return back to her home. Yes, it's very sad. He did, however, agree to kill that big spider. So there's one That's plus. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yes. Um, She's like, will you still do that? And he says, I will, but we're leaving tomorrow at first light to go back. And there's something at the very beginning of this book, I'm scrolling back because I really liked it, where they're talking about love and that love is the most powerful magic in the world. And 
I absolutely believe that. I believe love can move mountains and not a selfish love. So I think the in the heart of this king, even though he has this reputation for being a butcher, he really wants to be loved. And he wants that connection with another person, with a woman as his wife. Do you think that? Yes, because he says something or he thinks something in this chapter about how the women came to him after he became king and were really coming to his bed quite frequently. But then eventually he found out that the only reason these women were coming to his bed was because they were afraid of him and they didn't want him to go out and pick any of the women especially any of the younger women to be bed partners with him and so he already feels like a lot of people don't necessarily want to be with him even though they do sleep with him right because apparently this was the habit of the last king the evil king that he killed that he would just go nab women whether they wanted to to be with him or not, and especially young children, I don't want to say young children, but very young females. It was pretty disgusting. So they're all still starting to learn about him and who he really is. And so the people in his kingdom are leery of him and the women apparently were doing this to keep him away from people that didn't want anything to do with him. They were basically volunteers that were taking one for the team. <laughs> yeah and believe me after seeing what this the i love the cover of this book hot 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 i would take all of it for the team <laughs> if this were the guy because jesus christ good looking understatement uh -huh. yeah, yeah I, I volunteer I <laughs> what is that uh what is that expression that in that movie I, I volunteer as tribute yes i volunteer as tribute yeah i would have done the same thing i think well you would have had to climb over my dead cold body all of that actually ends up happening in chapter one these chapters are really long even though this book is a little less than 200 pages that was all chapter one stuff when we finally get to chapter two now we're switching to anja's point of view yeah and it's sad it says anja the rejected i know and so it's the next morning and she dressed and ready to go because he said we're leaving at first light and she thinks about how it's only 15 days until all of Ivermere knew that she had been rejected. Yeah. I felt so bad for her. Yeah and there's a lot of self-loathing in here or self-awareness where it said it was always her unguarded mouth that ruined everything. She has a lot of negative thoughts about herself but only because of how her horrible horrible parents had treated her and talked to her and kind of how the other people in the kingdom thought of her which we learn a lot more about as the book progresses she's really hard on herself in the book yeah i could relate so much to her i'm like girl i feel your pain anyway they end up you know they're getting ready to leave and they're not leaving by carriage which she's surprised by it's just the king and her in these two gigantic horses but mm -hmm. before they leave, he, he has to wait in an area because he's meeting with some of the people in his kingdom. Yeah. So while she's waiting for him to finish up whatever business he has to attend to, she ends up talking to, I think it was that same advisor that sent away for her in the first place. And he 
is kind of telling her like, I hope during this journey, you come to think of him in a new light. And he's really not that bad. Eventually, after talking to him for a little bit, she realizes that the king had told everybody that she rejected him, which is not actually the case. He ended up rejecting her. So she's kind of thrown off by that. But it also makes her feel worse because she's like, this is like a cruel joke that he's telling people that I rejected him when in actuality, he's the one that said he didn't want me. But at the same time, she also said, I'll tolerate sleeping with you and I'm also going to murder you. So, you know, their meet cute wasn't so friendly or right. cute. She was high and he is protecting her honor or her virtue by saying she rejected him. So she's starting to see him differently because she overhears his conversation with the court business he's dealing with. And then she finds out from Lord Minim that um, the king didn't tell him the truth of what was really said between them. He's decided he's going to take her back by himself. And they're like, what? You can't do that. Who's going to protect them? The king's all, well, she's a strong, powerful sorceress. Can't she protect me? And I can protect her. I'm the the conqueror, the butcherer. We'll be fine, basically is what he says. Well, yeah, he's kind of insulted because he's like, I did all of these amazing feats and I've killed all these people and you're saying I can't protect one person who, by the way, is supposed to have all of these magical powers. So the two of us together, in theory, should be an unstoppable force. I think they can travel faster if it's just the two of them and they go by horse. So he's like, the sooner we do this, the better. Tells the Lord that you have my seal go ahead and use it you know but don't send for any more brides for god's sake i liked that they traveled just the two of them on this adventure because now it's people are looking at them and seeing them and they're able to interact with people as they travel and one of the things that happens is when they pass through one of the cities they come upon a trial that is basically happening with the town's mayor or magistrate or whoever it's supposed to be so the king wants to stop to witness what's happening and kind of see how things happen in the kingdom because even though he rules the four kingdoms he really doesn't interact with anybody outside of the palace because he's told over and over well this is how things are done this is how things are done you stay in the castle people come and visit you but we have magistrates and other people that are going to take care of the day-to-day work of running a kingdom yeah they do a lot of this is how the last king did it this is how kings in general do it and he doesn't know any better because he's obviously never been a king and he didn't grow up as a royal so he's just kind of taking their word for it and going along with it even though it's maybe not the most effective way to do things this gives them a good chance to get to know one another and she gets to see different sides of him because of how he interacts with all of these people in the towns and how he judges people because of course he ends up taking over this this uh trial when he gets to the town and it was pretty interesting to get some like perspective on how he thinks of things. Yeah. So there's a woman on trial in front of this magistrate and she's in chains. She overhears what the magistrate is telling this woman. And I guess the magistrate wants to cut out her tongue. And he's like, wait a minute, what crime is this that you want to take 
her tongue and he says well it's the crime of slander the king's baffled says well, what did she say and he tells the king well she called you violent and a murderer a bar that you're barbaric and you're undeserving of a throne and that you're a rapist and he's like well wait a minute all of these things are true, except for the rapist one. I have never forced a woman. So it's really not slander, is it? I loved that part. Yeah, I did too. But yeah, he's just basically like, mm, which part is the lie, though? Where's the lie? <laughs> yes. And he's like, the lie is that I am the ravener. He, like, understands and thinks, well, she has the right of expressing her thoughts and she shouldn't have her tongue cut out for that and uh, Andre's just blown away that he's giving this citizen the right to speak words against him and he doesn't punish her or have her killed he says to like let her go right that's what ends up happening with that lady yeah and even as he's letting her go she spits at his feet or something <laughs> and he said that's fine you don't have to like me and he they get on the horse and continue they do have a lot of talks about magic and how magic works in the world. And I don't have a ton of notes. I don't really want to go in depth detail about it, but they do talk about it a lot because her kingdom is a magical kingdom and how, so she views it one way because of how she was raised. He views it a completely different way, but his, I liked his talks about magic and how he views it because he also is kind of talking about life and just how you live your life and how you should behave and act. And so he's really, they have a lot of these talks and they kind of come to see each other's point of view a little bit and they also get to know each other really well this way. Well, I think we learned something that's really important. Anytime magic is wheeled, there is a cost for that. So for every action, there's a reaction. Action, and it's called the scaling. And they talk about how with magic, the scales always have to be balanced. So magic is used, but something else suffers. And they talk a little bit about what that is. Yeah, but he also says that her type of magic is a corrupt type of magic because of how it does this offsetting. So if you do something good with your magic, then the offset might be negative and all this stuff. So it's kind of, I don't know, I thought there was a lot of parallels with like how you would live your life as a person and when how he was talking about the magics because at one point later on he talks about how doing something good shouldn't mean that you're the offset is something negative or like negative offset shouldn't be good like you know it should be like good the opposite of good is more good it's not the mm -hmm. polar opposite of a negative well he Just says something to her in this chapter that i thought i really like him and i loved the message this book is sending she says to him you know a spell cannot make anyone kind and he said of course it cannot kindness is of the purest magic magic it cannot be corrupt by a spellcaster's chantings and she's all kindness is not magic and he argues with her and says well i am kyle the pity the pitiless and she says to him that's not what i've seen so she's telling him she has seen kindness in him yeah i i really liked him and their interactions together they do have a lot of good talks a lot of profound conversation takes place which i like it's not just mindless chatter. It's like talking about the repercussions of 
people's actions in the world. And I think that's a really important message to people. And it did actually fit him pretty well because he's kind of coming at life from the side of the street smarts, whereas she's only got really book smarts and what she's been told, even though it might not fit him, quote unquote, because he's so ruthless and he's the barbarian and this, that, and the other thing. It does really fit him and how he's grown up and lived his life so far. Agreed. So the next thing they talk about, it's chapter three and it's Kale the Pitiless. And it's when they get to an inn and they're going to go to sleep. So they get to the inn and I thought right away, okay, there's only going to be one room at the inn. It's going to be one of those tropes. But actually, they do get two rooms. But then what ends up happening is the king insists on sleeping in the room with her so that he can watch her because he doesn't trust her not to try to kill him or run away or use her magics or whatever other excuse he wants to come up with to be Uh in the room with her in the same bed as her when they sleep. Oh, and he also wants to tie her up so that he can sleep near her and not be afraid of what she's going to do. It was hilarious. It was hilarious because she had said, I'm going to kill you in your sleep, Mm -hmm. right? So he's like, well, then I have to tie you up. And he says, don't worry, I don't have any interest in you because she's like, I I don't welcome your company. I think the only thing he actually used his room for was maybe to put his bag down and to uh, jerk off because he yes. had a constant hard on since he met her. It says he doesn't sleep and all he does is fist his cock and remember the way she looked. <laughs> yeah, and I, I love this part. He ties her up and he tells her, move over, I'm going to sleep with you. He jams up against her body and she says, will you remove your sword from between us? Gritting his teeth, he ground out, I cannot. And she's like, I do not wish to impale myself if I turn in my sleep. And he starts laughing and tells her, the only flesh this sword would pierce is between your thighs. <laughs> <laughs> And so she's moving and he's like, you need to be still. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So this happens a lot in the book. He's constantly, because of course he does want her, even though he said he would not have her. Of course, it's a lie to everybody, including himself. So I don't mention it a lot, but yes, just keep in the back of your mind. He's got a constant heart on throughout the whole book. Yes. But he also has his pride and she said she didn't want him. He doesn't want to be with anyone that is going to have to quote unquote endure his touch. Yes. So then he also is kind of stubborn and thinking how he would be with her if she made the first move. But then on the flip side, when she starts to want him, she doesn't want to make the first move because he already said that he wouldn't have her. So there's a lot of the angst and tension building between them. They want each other, but they're not going to say it for a long time. Well, he can't make the first move because he doesn't trust that she would want him back in truth he thinks it would all be an act on her part so he even though he really wants her he can't do anything about it something we forgot to mention is when he sees her her hair is real is white not like gray but snowy white that's funny because that's actually the next note I have because they talk about in the next chapter why she has white hair with absolutely no color. Yes, this is very interesting. Go ahead. So she says that when she was a little kid, 
maybe like three years old. She was hiding in her mom's room. And her mom is this super powerful witch back home, of course, because she's queen. And Mm -hmm. so she was hiding in her mom's room. And her mom had cast a spell to put color on her lips. The scaling or the counterbalance of that was that she lost all of her hair color. And so that's why she has absolutely no color to her hair was because instead of just putting lipstick on like a normal person, her mom uses a spell in her Mm -hmm. room. And, you know, her mom obviously didn't know that she was in there. So it was an accident. But at the same time, she basically got punished for that because she should have known better than to hide, even though she was like three years old. Yeah. I mean, her parents were not nice to her and and they had a thing against her anyway. And then when she did this hiding in the in the wardrobe while her mother was too lazy to apply a lipstick on her own now she they're embarrassed by her because of what happened to her yeah he tells her this is where they have more talks about like the scaling and how her magic that magic is corrupt he says pure magics don't steal they create and add into the world something that wasn't there before and the result is not the opposite kindness does not beget cruelty Instead, it begets hope and comfort. And love does not beget hate, but hate must beget that which is similar, pain, fear, which in turn begets more of the same. Yeah, I love their conversations because when he's, she's telling him this story about what happened in her mother's chambers, he says to her, how old were you? And she tells him three. He starts cursing under his breath and he says, shit-witted slop mouth would have done so. And she She feels regret and embarrassed. And she's like, yeah, I know. I should have known better. And he's like, oh, no, you mistake me. I was speaking of your mother for blaming you. Yeah, especially when she says she was three. She was maybe three years old. Your mom should have known better. My next note is just that... They do a lot of talking and the king does a lot of jacking off every time they reach an inn every night. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Eventually, at some point, he gets frustrated with her, but mostly with their situation. And he eventually stops tying her up and stops sharing her bed. Yeah, Um, because it's becoming too difficult for him. So then they're a week into the journey, which is the halfway point for them. And this is chapter six. They're, I think they're followed by a group of people or they hear some something nearby, right? They mm-hmm. feel like they're being followed, but they're not sure. The king disappears because I think he's trying to investigate what that sound was or see if somebody's actually following them. But then that ends up leaving Anja alone, which he has no problem with because, you know, she's supposed to have all this magic. So it doesn't matter if she's left alone for a little bit. She could, like, fight her own fights. Well, plus she has a sword that she carries on her back. She did learn sword play in her kingdom. So he's like, okay, between her sorcery and the sword, I'm going to go check this out. You stay here. And of course, he loves the fact that she uses a sword. It's like the hottest thing ever. Those bandits or whoever they are do end up showing up and she has to fight them off. But she only really fights them off with the sword. She's not actually using any magic to defend herself or mess them up. King does appear... At some point, and he finishes all of them off, even though she was pretty brutal herself, and she got in some pretty good stabs and injuries to these bandits. He's losing his mind when, because at first the bandits tell her they 
the guy's dead or they're waiting. They have an archer waiting for him and they're going to kill him. And so all of a sudden he leaps over the wall and he's just furious and he slaughters these people. And for the first time she sees why he has the reputation that he does, but she, she realizes he only uses that power or how strong he is when he's defending people he loves or when he only does this for truth and right. He doesn't do it because he's a mindless murderer. Yeah. He has good reason. Right. And he freaks out when she's, he realizes there's a cut and she's bleeding. This was so hot. Heal it. Yeah, it was. (laughs) Yeah. Tells her heal it. But earlier they had a conversation where he said to her about the scaling that, you know, people that have magic, they're just lazy. Like there's small injuries that they don't need to be healed, that they will just heal naturally. But the people with magic do it anyway, causing the scaling. So he sees this cut and tells her heal it. And she's like, well, we're not supposed to do that. And then he tells her, I can't heal it. And he's going to clean it out for her. Right? He's going to clean it and bind it. This is when he realizes that she actually doesn't have magic, right? Which is another reason why she won't heal it. This was um, some of that hot nursing that comes into books sometimes. I loved. So he says, this is your blood. And it says, with rough hands, he shoved the hem of her tunic upward, exposing the straps that secured her leggings to the tops of her thighs. She basically wears a garter belt. With a single tug, that strap untied and the heavy stocking slipped down. She sucked in a hissing breath. And then it also says, He gently cupped the column of her thigh, calloused fingers sliding over the sensitive inner skin. Yeah. Hot. Hot is right. It's in this chapter that we find out why she doesn't have magic. Ugh. Yes. So now she doesn't have hair color because her mom's a lazy bitch. But then um, she also doesn't have magic because her dad also sucks. When the mom was in childbirth, it says the father, my father could not bear my mother's pain in childbirth. So cast a spell to take it away. If I ever had any magic, the scaling of that spell stole it. It took her pain and gave it to me. He says, you are always in pain. And she responds, what do you think my life has been? I am the only one in Ivermere without magic. Me, the princess. I'm a disappointment and a shameful stain upon the realm. And he says, your father is the shame. She's like, well, no, he did it out of love to help her. Is that not a kindness? He says, basically, like, he should have asked her if she could tolerate the pain and thought of a different way to help her. But it was a selfish act, he says. He's the one that couldn't handle her pain, not her. Yeah, and her mother was pregnant with her at the time, giving birth to her. So the baby is the one that paid. And why her parents blame her for everything, I know her feeling, but it's like she was being born. She didn't have anything to do with it. So how she is a source of shame for them is beyond me. I think they're just really selfish and the typical king and queen who are like, we can do no wrong. So it's always the other person. They're basically narcissists. Well, right. I agree. Yeah. So he is starting, not only is she learning more about him, who he really is, but he's learning more about her. Can we talk about what happens in chapter seven? Oh, yeah. Please. (laughs) 
So her <laughs> horse, so they're doing a really long journey. They're setting a brutal pace. So of course her horse ends up getting a little bit of an injury. Not so bad the horse can still walk, but she's like, I shouldn't ride the horse anymore because she's she's hurt. So they end up sharing his horse, which mm-hmm. now begins the portion of the just one horse trope, which I think I might actually like more than the just one room at the inn trope. <laughs> Uh, yes it's very interesting i'm thinking hot because now he thinks every step the horse took stroked his cock against her ass a rhythm that was pleasure and torment in equal measure most likely he would spill his seed before this ride was finished his only regret would be that it wasn't inside her Mm -hmm. yes and uh, she can constantly feel his erection because she takes her coat off and puts it on the front of her and slips her arms through it. So there's less material between the two of them. So, of course, she can feel his heart on the entire time. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's winter. So it started snowing also, which I don't think we mentioned. But yeah, so she has to wear a coat because it's winter time, And of course, they are not in that carriage. They're only on that horse. So, yeah, there's not that much between them, I guess. This part is funny because she says to him, so she's trying to make conversation and says, you have been called the wolf killer. Um, You were called that even before you began your campaign against Godfrey. And it's said that you killed five wolves with your bare hands when you were only four years of age. And he goes, not my bare hands. I used a rock. And she's like, oh, come on. So there's a lot of joking and back and forth between them he tells her fine there was only there was only one and she said i have seen monsters and you are not one and he says to her what monsters have you seen and she starts telling him about what monsters live in the scale wood if you look at the map, it's like his four kingdoms all side by side. And then there's this thing called the scale wood. And then above the scale wood is her kingdom. And then I, there's supposed to be all these monsters. So, But basically these monsters are in the scale wood because the people of Ivermere are doing so much fucking magic that it keeps offsetting all of these things, the scaling. And turning all these creatures in that forest basically evil. (laughs) Right. So they've had to put up a bunch of wards around the woods to keep these monsters inside the woods and to keep them from attacking all the people. And she also explains to him that she begged because she doesn't have magic. She, When she was a kid, she begged the mistress of the hunt to teach her how to fight with a sword. And the the people of the hunt are the ones that patrol the woods and they also kill the magical beasts. She would go on rides with them in the scale woods. So she saw a lot of the monsters that live there. She's a badass in her own right, for sure. She definitely is. Well, okay, so another thing that happens in this chapter is he really comes to understand that nobody in that kingdom wants her, not even her parents. So at some point, he offers to have her stay in his kingdom, but she declines it. Um, She doesn't think that he wants her. So even though she likes him, she doesn't want to say yes. Well, we find out before that happens that they even took her crown away. And he's like, what are you talking about? They took your crown. 
And she said, well, because there was, I don't have magic, they took the crown and my cousin is going to get the crown when my parents pass. And he says to her, I will take Ivermore's crown for you because he's really pissed. Okay, so go ahead. Then that's when he offers for her to go to his kingdom. Yeah, it's so sweet. He says, after we have killed the spider, return to Grimhold with me. There is room for you in the stronghold and plenty to do. You should come as my royal advisor. Already you have served me better in these past 10 days than they have in over a year. So I would rather have you than the fools around me now. Yeah, because she thinks to herself, I can't live there. And what if you do end up taking a wife? It'll really, it'll kill me to see you be with another woman. So I can't do it. He, She doesn't tell him that, but that's her inner dialogue. Now they get to another inn and it's Midwinter's Eve. And I think it's the last inn that they're going to be staying at before they start going through that messed up Scalewood forest, right? This is my favorite chapter in the whole book. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love this chapter, too. So they're in this, like, tavern at the inn. He goes off, and he has, like, a grand old time. And she's basically sulking in a corner. And while she's sitting there by herself, nursing a beer or whatever she's doing, this witch comes up to sit with her and starts talking to her. And it's like this old, old witch who also has white hair and who sits with her because she thought it was her sister because she saw the white hair from across the tavern. <laughs> yeah, she's supposed to be me meeting her sister there to celebrate this midwinter's eve. I mm -hmm. think of it as kind of like their Christmas. So yeah. she's like, well, is it is it okay if I sit here? Yeah. And she says, sure, if you, if your sister searches for you, she cannot miss two white heads together. Yes. And one of the reasons she's sulking is because she thinks about how if the king doesn't want her for a bride, then he's not going to want her as a bed partner either. But he's enjoying all this stuff happening for Midwinter's Eve. And so and now he's no longer sharing that room with her. So she thinks that he might find somebody yeah. to spend the night with so that's another reason why she's in kind of a shitty mood but um she does have a good conversation with that witch at the table i loved it yeah yeah they talk a, a lot about love basically and um she says i'm um, basically like what about what if feelings are not returned essentially and the witch says do you give a gift expecting one in return or do you give it for the happiness it gives and she responds, what if it doesn't make him happy? What if it means nothing at all? And the witch responds, then hope he knows kindness too. Love gives the most, but it also takes the most. And Anja says, I fear it will leave me with nothing. And the witch says, fear is also a strong magic, as is courage. Yeah, I love this. And the witch tells her love and kindness are the most powerful of all magics. Not only for the one who gives it, but for those whom the magic is given. And I, I, that is my philosophy. I really believe in my life that there is nothing more powerful in the world than love. And so this whole conversation to me is, you know, I was almost weeping through the whole thing. Aw. Yeah, I did really like the conversation they had. 
And then the witch does end up leaving her after they talk. And by the time the witch leaves, Anja has tears in her eyes. And so, of course, even though the king is off having a grand old time in the tavern, he does, you know, he does notice that she's got those tears in her eyes. So Mm -hmm. he storms on over and he's like, what is it? What happened? What did that witch say to you? Like, who did this to you, basically? (laughs) Right. Who hurt you? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, and she says, I think they start talking about um, Midwinter's Eve wishes and gifts and and all this stuff. And so she says that her wish is a kiss from him. And um, I could basically just sit here and read two pages straight from the book at this point. (laughs) Do it. I highlighted all of it. He's like, a kiss from me? Yes, his eyes narrowed. Why want something you would only tolerate? That was when I didn't know you, but now it is something I desire. And he says, in the touch of my hands, you want that? Her breath shudders so very much. So he starts wrapping his... <laughs> he's he's squeezing the arm of the chair so much his fingers are white. And he says to her, and my cock deep inside you, his voice was a growl. You want that too, Anja? You want me to fuck your virgin cunt and fill you with my seed? And she thinks so badly she couldn't even speak. She can only nod. And all the once he jumps up from his seat and walks out the door, leaving her there. I'm like, what is happening? What's happening? Do you want yeah. to say what happened? Okay. Okay, I will. But I was like, oh my God. Because of course, yet again, she's like, oh my God, he's rejected me yet again. Mm-hmm. And she thought that he wanted her. So it says, Anja the Unwanted. Blinded by tears, she turned away, unable to bear seeing the empty doorway. And then she starts hearing this commotion of everything going on. And she hears him bellow through the the tavern. Cease your struggles, witch, and put away that stick. I guess she's like thwacking him with his um, this stick or whatever. And so the witch (laughs) says, I would have come. No need to carry me as a child. And he says, you did not move fast enough only you can give me a wife this night and i need to bed my bride so then she starts really crying because she's like oh my god he wants me for his bride Mm-hmm. and the witch is all well you you need a red ribbon and you don't have it yeah so then he just starts yelling for a ribbon so somebody has a ribbon so this was cute because what ends up happening is the witch does the ceremony and she has to bind their hands together and they're supposed to keep their hand one hand each bound through the night and this was hilarious the conversation the witch has with him um yeah these are probably the best vows i've ever read in a book (laughs) because the witch basically does like want to do the ceremony the way you're supposed to do it right so she Mm -hmm. has to do all of anja's you know what do you call them titles i guess and she says do you pledge yourself to this man and vow to be his faithful wife and then anja responds yes and then the kyle goes wife 
he echoed on a growl, then threw his head back and roared, Is that bedchamber ready? Yes! <laughs> he's losing his mind. I just literally him in full, ready to uh, combust. He's gonna die. Yeah, he hasn't even said his vows yet. And so he's like, I don't care if it isn't, I will take you upon this floor if I must. And the witch says, You will not take her yet. You have first your pledge to finish, and you have names to last all night. And he says, <laughs> Then be saying them, woman. <laughs> <laughs> yes oh my gosh so that yeah so then there literally is like a page and a half of all of his names <laughs> yeah it's very funny yeah it was hilarious and so um they are wed and mm-hmm. he does uh take her off to that bedchamber. right and they're trying to figure out how are we gonna have sex with our hands bound um, he said something, oh gosh, let me see if I could find, I don't think I highlighted it, but I wanted to. I highlighted it. Oh. It says, there is a reason why brides wear gowns. Because, oh, does, no. because, go ahead. So my highlight was from before they actually said their oh. vows. all right. Uh, when she's binding their hands together, she says the binding must remain intact until dawn. So there will be many things you cannot do with your bride this night. I was and, dying um, during this. Oh my gosh. So the witch just names off all these sexual positions <laughs> that he has to avoid. And but they're not he, they're not normal names for sexual positions. I mean, maybe for them. She says you must avoid the wren, for that position would strain her shoulder too much, whatever the fuck that is. The yeah. her too and the wolf. And he says, No, I will have her that way. And the witch says, It cannot be done. And he says, We will see about that. <laughs> So I could just see it happening where she's like, and the wolf, and he's like, no, I will have her that way. And the wolf's like, and the the witch is like, it can't be done. And he's like, we'll see about that. And the, yeah. the old lady's just glaring at him. It, it was very funny. It was very, very funny. So then um, he takes her upstairs. Yeah, you can take this part and say what happens. Well, he if ends you want up to taking elaborate her up- on anything. <laughs> well, only that they can't take their clothes off because their hands are tied. And she's like, "How is this going to work? I don't know how we're going to do this." And he says, "Well, this is why a uh, bride wears a gown. I can just lift it up." So, he ends up starting to penetrate her and this whole scene, I'm not going to I won't say everything that happens in it, but it is fucking hilarious. It's like Um, two seconds in and she's like, it's over, right? And he's like, what? Uh (laughs) That was very funny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he asks her, are you ready for the rest? And she looks at him and goes, the rest? Their (laughs) coupling is just hilarious. Uh, Yeah. No, she's just like, yeah. No, literally, exactly how you described it. A couple seconds in, she's like, you're done, right? <laughs> and she's like, wait, you didn't spill? Like, you didn't finish? Like, it wasn't it. She doesn't know anything about relations at all. No. And he's just trying not to hurt her, right? Yeah, he is very gentle with her, which is good. Yeah, and her thoughts are, Kale the Conqueror didn't bellow or roar. Instead, he breathed her name reverently as if it were a prayer. 
or as if she were the answer to one. And I was like, that is so beautiful. I highlighted that too, because it was so sweet. <laughs> He's totally sweet. I'm in love with him. Mm-hmm. Mine's one though. All right. Yeah. So the next morning, the, the next chapter is called Kyle the Free. Okay, yeah. The next morning they eat and she ends up seeing these like magical markings on his skin. Mm-hmm. And he says that he had magic also, but his markings are to bind his magic to within him so that he doesn't accidentally hurt people using whatever magic he does have, but also toward himself against magic from others. So yeah, it's to um, protect him. Yeah, it's kind of seems random and out of place, but it comes into play for the ending of the book. Right. It's a form of protection. And she's so upset because in her society, that is the worst possible thing you could do to somebody is bind their magic. And so she thinks it was done against his will. But then he tells her the truth that, no, it was done to protect him. So um, my rest of my notes is just like a summary from chapter 10 on because so okay, much happened at the, in the yeah. end of the book. <laughs> okay, yeah, go ahead. So they do finally make it to her home. Um, everyone there is either killed or wrapped up in some sort of magical spider thread. This reminded me again of the Sleeping Beauty's curse where like everybody in her castle and kingdom went under the same spell. Um, It's very creepy. Yeah. And so it's really gross, but she is the only one who can see any of these webbings or the spider itself. But then on the flip side, go ahead. Her parents, her parents thought she was crazy because they could not see the spider and she kept telling her parents, there's a spider in the queen's chambers and you need to kill it. And they're like, this girl is crazier than we thought. We need to ship her off faster than we realized. Yeah, and I think when she first saw it, it was like a little a bit normal spider. Or, yeah, it was like a normal spider, maybe a little bit bigger than normal. But then now it's like gigantic. Obviously, like people are trapped in all of this webbing. And it's so like a horse. She, yeah, it's gross. So yeah. she sees all of that. But on the flip side. Kyle is the only one who can actually touch anything having to do with the spider because he does have those magical markings. And so um, they work together to find the spider because at first they try to like take people out of the webbing, but there's too many people. So they figure Mm -hmm. they should start by killing the spider and then go from there. And because they're able to kill the spider, I guess the webbings were actually magical. So as soon as the spider dies, the webbings disappear and everybody kind of comes out of this magical curse that they were under. And so they do also see the king and queen eventually because they were some of the victims of this situation. And they're still horrible. Yeah, they're still assholes like always. And the, the mom says, like, I wonder how the spider got through the wards because she thinks it came from the scale wood. But Anja says, 
you created the spider because it was the scaling of the kissing potion you made. And the potion was intended to make my body helpless in sleep. And the spider's webs did the same, but kept everyone in a nightmare of unmoving wakefulness. You tailored the potion to me. The magic was intended to me, intended for me. And the spider's concealment was intended for everyone else. Yeah. And her, her parents, again, don't give her the respect. I mean, she basically, she did save their whole kingdom with him. And he screams at them, you know, she is the queen of the four kingdoms. You will show her respect. Yeah, he's like really sticks up for her. He also says, I will tell you what else you, I will tell you what else has been affected by the scaling of that spell. You have lost a daughter whose worth you were blind to. I have one wife whose value is all I see. Mm, yes swoon so um they do start riding home after that whole situation with the spider and the parents and (laughs) she says to him lift me up i will show you how a queen rides double (laughs) and then um she also says i have i've claimed my favorite throne so I don't know how they could actually pull that off. It sounded hot, but also impossible in real life. Well, but maybe it is possible. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. It's like where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. And then they have an epilogue and it's been a year since they went back to his kingdom. Yeah. So now it's the next midwinter's Eve and they're hilarious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She, I guess, this has happened quite often where they interrupt the dinners because he gets so randy. He has to take her right then and there. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. So he starts to do that because I guess she has just told him that she's pregnant. And yes. so she, she says for our gift for midwinter's Eve, let's leave the dining hall and actually go to our room and let the people that are eating their feast actually finish their dinner tonight. So that's how the book ends. Yeah, and he does end up thanking that Lord Minim um, for having the wisdom and the courage for posting the messages to every kingdom near and far searching for a bride, for he had brought them the perfect one. So they all love her and him. It's just all good. Yeah, it was sweet. And I like that the epilogue was really short. It was like two, maybe three pages. That's how an epilogue should be. Mm-hmm. So, um, what did you rate this book? I think I would probably give this like four wet panties because I really liked it. And I thought it was a really fast read, even though like these chapters were insane. Like, like some chapters were like 30 pages long, um, but I still felt like it was a really quick read. And I did like these characters. I don't think I've ever read anything by this author before. Um, so yeah, I, I, I did like it. Yeah. How come you didn't rate it higher than that? What was lacking in it for you? I don't know. There's nothing really specific. I just like, it was good. It wasn't like amazing, but I thought it was good. So I just give it like four stars, four panties or whatever. Okay. Why, what would so, you give it? 
I would, honest to God, I would give this book five very wet panties. I love this book from the beginning to the end. It was different. I love the message that the author was sending in this book. I loved their conversations. It was just totally unexpected and different from anything else I've read. This author has now become one of my favorite authors. And I guess there are three other books in this series, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, this is the series that Ruby Dixon did one of the books and then two other authors did the other books. Yeah, so I'm pro- I'm sure I'm going to read the next books and see what happens. Um, I really liked it. Uh, again, I thought it was very different. And I'm always looking for something good and different. And besides just the they meet, they have sex, and there's page after page of just uh, explicit sex between the two of them. There's page after page about a world message and a conversation between them. And I, and there's great sex and there's a lot of tension between them. And that scene where he gets the witch to marry them was one of the best scenes I've ever read. I loved it. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, you have good points. I actually thought that there were things in there you wouldn't like that, they don't hook up until like two thirds of the way in the book. So I thought that would bug you. And then I thought for sure, because she was a virgin, you were going to hate that. Cause you, yeah, really, I, you don't like that. Normally I don't, but it's like, well, I'm a virgin. And this was just, it was just different. I think it was presented differently and there was enough to balance that, that I honest to God, I didn't even notice. I expected her to be a balance to be a virgin because she was a princess. But yeah, I it guess, did fit her character. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it's different than just ev- any normal person in any normal story where they come off saying a virgin. But for a princess, she's expected to stay a virgin until she's married. So I didn't even really think twice of it. I also liked how super early on in the book, he like states flat out that he doesn't care that she is because a lot of things that bug me about this trope is how they praise it and how like the woman has more value because she is a virgin. But for him right away, he, I don't fucking care if she is or not. Like, did you touch her? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I really liked it. And it made it all the more funny when they actually finally did start having sex. It was fucking hilarious. Yeah. Highly recommend. That's all I have to say. Yeah. I, yeah, it was a really good book. It was a good find, which was nice. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't happen often. Yeah. And the cover's really hot. I've had this on my like, to be read list for a long time and uh, not gonna lie a lot of that had to do with the cover (laughs) oh yeah who can blame you the cover is amazing even if people don't read the book they should check out the cover hot (laughs) oh so um anything else you want to mention real fast that you have read or well i think well I haven't read that much either. Okay. 
But I have to tell you, this morning I went out in the yard. You know how we were complaining or I was complaining about where the fuck are all these spiders coming from? And we we had just finished this book. And I went outside to open the side gate to get the hose. And I didn't realize these spiders are so, their webs are so enormous. It went from the top of the gate to the ground. And I walked right through it. And it was horrible because I was instantly wrapped in web, just like the book. And the spider, I couldn't get the spider away from me because it was stuck on the web. And when the oh, web God. It was horrible. So I was like, oh my God, I'm like batting, trying to get that spider away. So I had to check myself over thoroughly to make sure um, I didn't come in the house with the spider because yeah, it's creepy. I found one the other day that was from the top of the pergola to the ground. I'm like, how do they make these webs so big? I mean, maybe they start at the top and then they just free fall. Yeah, I think they that's what jump. they do. <laughs> Yes, that's what it did. And I thought, well, I can't knock it down because it works so hard. I have to just leave it. But um, I have not been reading as much because I have been sewing and stuffing dolls and making teddy bears and all kinds of things before we leave for Scotland and I have that hand surgery. But I have read a couple of things. I... um have listened to a couple of audiobooks. I listened to Ruby Dixon, Barbarian Mine, and I finished Barbarian Lover. But I okay. started reading, uh, is it the third or the fourth book in the Anastasia Wilde series, Bad Blood Panther? And it's about Xander. I think that's the third one. Yeah, so, well, that's what I'm reading now. Um, and okay. it's good. It's not what I expected would be his story, but I really like it. So I'm reading that and I started our next book. What about okay. you? Um, I read a couple random books. So I read Jace by L.V. Lane and Sam Hall. Okay. Um, that was an Omega verse um, story. So that was really good. And then the second book, in that series was writer, but that was only written by LV lane. I read that one too. That was good also. And okay. I haven't really read too much more because I haven't really been reading. I did start the next book that we're supposed to do though, which is iron by Lizette Marshall. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I did start that. I figured if I'm not, really reading anything i should at least focus on on my homework and be good yeah i can't focus on the homework i started reading it last night and i think i only got through like three chapters or four chapters and i went back to, i went to the panther book sometimes i just can't focus i i don't know what the deal is with me but i'm I've really been bored with my life routine because it's been so goddamn hot here. I cannot go outside. Just being alive makes me sweat. <laughs> I can't, I, I really can't deal with it. So all day I have to stay inside. I don't want to go out because I'll spend money and I really can't before our trip. Um, and so I get up, I feed the dogs, I eat breakfast, I drink coffee, I watch TV. 
and I just am like a ping pong ball between I'm sewing the dolls or I'm stuffing, you know, a little rabbit to give to these kids before Christmas. I got to, I'm trying to get as much done as possible before my hand surgery. Um, so, and then I'll just drop this box of things for the kids off before I go into surgery for Christmas. Yeah. I mean, at least you have like stuff that you're focusing on. I, yeah, I spent most of the weekend taking naps and watching TV. And then I kind of had the same problem. I did a little bit of embroidery and I got bored with it. I did a little bit of those gem yes. art things that I liked. I got bored with it. Yes, I tried that? to take a nap. I don't know. I think I was just like, maybe because you don't do anything. So then you get restless. Maybe. And then I, I felt, don't. yeah, I was like, I felt bad because I wasn't doing anything. But then I was like, well, you're not feeling fantastic. So you should rest. You know, it's one of those things. Yeah, that's exactly how I've been feeling. Oh, and if anybody is still listening, if you can send out positive thoughts to my friend Emma that has had COVID for like a week now, I'm really kind of worried about her because she's 80. Um, and um, I've been texting her every day, just kind of trying to see how she is, but she's still testing positive and still doesn't feel good. So COVID isn't over, people. Yeah, it's really annoying. <laughs> yeah. So what are you going to do for the rest of the day? Take care of Amelia? Yeah, I'm just going to relax. Take care of the kid. I, try to edit this I, episode because, oh, you know. Yeah. You got to do that. I got I got homework still. <laughs> yes. And then I I can't believe how close it's getting to our trip. I'm like, I feel like I can't breathe. I feel like I need to start packing and it's weeks away, but I'm just. It's over a month out. away. <laughs> this five weeks. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Because it's almost the end of August and September 4th, it'll be a month until we leave. I can't fucking believe it. I just, I can't believe it. I'm going somewhere. <laughs> freaking out oh my gosh yeah it's okay it's gonna be really exciting so the freak out is warranted oh it's an excitement freak out for sure yeah it's definitely an excitement it's not a fear freak out it's a i cannot believe i'm actually after decades of having to listen to my friends travel all over the goddamn world and being left out of multiple conversations when we're all together because i've never really been anywhere I get to go somewhere. So I'm excited. Yeah, I'm very excited. It'll be nice to okay. just like, travel at all or do anything. Like, I feel like it's been a long time for me, even because of COVID and everything. So I can just imagine for yourself how you're feeling. 23 years, 23 goddamn years. Crazy. Crazy is right. All right. So, yeah, that's it for me. I'm going to just finish sewing and ironing things. All right. And well, um, enjoy. Try hanging. not to uh, melt. Yeah. Good luck, huh? <laughs> Hopefully, this, this is going to last all week, but I want it to be over. Yeah. It won't be. All right. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <Okay. laughs> all right, babe. All right. Bye. All right. Bye.
Thank you for listening to the Bonded Books podcast. You can rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Our email is bondedbookspodcast at gmail.com. And check the show notes for a link to all of our social media.